This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. So our next presenters are Anthony Sedgwick and Rashad Tayop, both from ABAX Investment Fund Managers. They are the fund managers of the Ned Group Rainmaker Ned Group Entrepreneur Funds, which are both equity funds, which is what Anthony is involved in, and Rashad looks after the Ned Group Flexible Income Fund, which is more, of course, in the cash, enhanced cash, fixed income type space. What we've challenged them to do is each one in just 10 minutes to present their case for equities or fixed income. So we're pitting the two colleagues against each other to make the case for whether we should be investing in 2021 in equities or in fixed income. So the first one off is Anthony, who will be making the case for domestic equities. Anthony, I hand over to you. Thanks, Trevor, uh, and good morning, everybody. Well, thank you for the introduction. I've got the hard task this morning of, of trying to sell equity to investors. Now, as you guys know, this has not been a great place to be for some time. So this is a, a, a chart you might all be familiar with. It's nothing very sophisticated. It's a chart of the JSC All Share Index. And I think the point to make here is that for many, many years, they seem quite distant memories now, we could all rely on using our equity exposure as a hedge against inflation. That we would invest in businesses that were able to grow their profits in a flourishing economy. And that growth of the of their profits would result in capital appreciation. And hopefully with some astute investment management decisions taking behind it, we pick the relative winners and we outperform the index. That was something that worked very well for a long time, but the last six years have really been a very, very difficult period. The JSC has completely lost its reputation as a hedge against inflation, having moved sideways. You can see broadly within that band shown in the yellowish colored arrow, and of course, it's compounded its problems with a litany of scandals from Steinhoff all the way down to EOH and, and collapses in the valuation of many businesses that, that were previously considered blue chips and the kind of thing that you just bought, bought the shares, stuck the old share certificate away in your bottom drawer and, and, and forgot about. Those days are, are long gone and it's been a very tough time for a, for a very long time and uh, the consequence of which I think share investors have, become, have, have developed a, a high degree of fatigue and unhappiness. This is a bit like constantly picking a particular player in your team who historically had performed very well, but every time you seem to pass the ball to him at the moment, they just knock it on. And within that, of course, there's been massive divergence of performance. If you look back over this five-year period, the chart I'm showing you here, that little white line in the middle there is the performance of the of the all share index. You can see up 15% only after five years down the line, really very unflattering performance. But there's been a massive dislocation in uh, where those returns have come from. It's been extremely concentrated. You can see the, the pink line or the sort of orangey line at the top and the yellow line. The orange one is NUSPAS and the, uh, the yellowy one appropriately is the mining sector. So unless you've had you know, very heavy exposure to mining and dust pass and pretty much nothing else, you haven't done very well because there's been these, this huge drag on the market reflected by the green, the red, 
and the purple lines, which respectively green is the banks index, red is the retail index, and purple is the property sector, all of which have been massive underperformers. You can see the property sector's down 60% over this period. So you've had this massive weight dragging everything down, a very high number of companies. So not only have the returns been poor, but unless you've been only exposed to a very narrow part of the market, the likelihood is that you've almost certainly underperformed if you have any kind of a balanced portfolio. This is also interesting in two ways to consider. The first on the left-hand side shows you how proportionately the JSC has evolved. 15 years ago, as reflected by the red bars, 65% of the market cap on the JSC was made up by our domestic businesses. Our banks, our manufacturers, building and construction companies, property businesses, retailers, cumulatively made up 65% of total market cap. And the light and the dark blue bars are what we would broadly describe as rand hedges. In the, in the light blue section, that's your industrial rand hedges, Richemont, SAB, AB InBev, NUSPAS is now a big component of that. And then the dark blue is the mining, the mining companies, platinum, gold, and then the big mining houses, Anglo-American, BHP, Glencore, and so on. Here we are 15 years down the line, and this has completely changed the other way around. Only 35% of JSE market cap now has anything to do with what's happening in our domestic economy, which we're very fortunate to have, actually, as, as an emerging market and as South African investors, that we're not tied by investing in equity to having to be tied to the fortunes of the of our of our domestic economy, which, as you've seen from Nikki, is already in is in a very very fragile state, with very little ability to bounce back uh, from the COVID-induced uh, crisis that we're all experiencing. But we're becoming increasingly irrelevant in the greater scheme of things. South Africa's weighting in the MSCI Emerging Markets Index 15 years ago was 14 or 15 percent. Today it's three and a half. We are becoming irrelevant in the greater scheme of things and in the bigger world. Of course, this has been driven very aggressively by the ascension of China, which has gone from five to 41% of the index market cap. But we are practically irrelevant. And if you consider that of that three and a half percent, referring to the chart on the left-hand side, only 1% has anything to do with our domestic economy. So this is a slide I've shown before, some of you may be familiar with, and this just shows you how the situation has continued to deteriorate. So in 2018 and 2019, if you, I could ask you just to read those five points, I'm not going to go through them all individually, and I don't think anything will come as a great surprise to you. These were things that we were looking to see improvements of or acceleration in, which in 2018 and 2019, we didn't see any sign of happening at all. In January 2020, two years after Cyril Ramaphosa's accession to head of the ANC government and, and then subsequently elected president of South Africa, we had hoped by then to see some impact of changes in economic policies, of changes in, in attitudes towards corruption that, we had, that had become the norm under his predecessor over the previous decade, where we really were headed on a one-way trip. And Undeniably, we were seeing some very, very small signals of this. In many respects, we weren't seeing anything. So the debt, you know, and Nikki's just talked to you about that, the debt situation was still an incredibly worrying thing, but we were seeing some tiny signs of political progress, of a corruption accountability. We'd seen some sparks of capital investment activity, 
for example, with the airports that that, uh, that had announced their expansion programs. And then along came COVID-19 at the end of the first quarter, which has knocked us back very, very hard. And on all of these matters, our, the difficulty of the situation that we're facing has only become worse. And you've seen on the charts at the bottom, the left-hand one is business confidence, the right-hand one is consumer confidence, the tremendous weakness and how both of those measures have weakened substantially as a result of COVID-19 and the, and the deep hole that, we, that we're going to try and dig ourselves out of over the course of the next three years. There are some small signs. I must say uh, it is encouraging to see the progress of the Zondo Commission. It is fantastic to see Sanral, which has been a practically dormant organization for the last three years, starting to award contracts. These are small signs. It is encouraging to see a refreshed attitude of cooperation between the public sector, the private sector and labor unions to an extent. But now we see the public sector wage situation deteriorating again. So, you know, that's always is the case in this country. It's always two steps forward, one step back. We pray it can just only be two steps forward, one step back rather than two steps forward, three steps back, which is a situation we've become more familiar with. So you're obviously sitting there and asking, well, thanks very much for cheering us up there, Anthony. Where's the good news? Well, here is the good news, guys. This is where the good news starts. So the first thing is to say, you know, it looks pretty bleak out there, I know, and that's a long, hard haul back to the surface of the ocean. But there are a few things that are very supportive. The first thing is by buying South African equity, you're not paying, you're not, you're not paying an expensive price. If you look at the top left-hand chart, you'll see the brown line is the forward P of our market. You can see it's down to 10 times. It's overstated because it includes some you know, businesses like Nuspas, which are huge in the index and trade at much, higher, at much higher ratings. So you can see we are very cheap relative to our long-term history on an absolute basis. On a relative basis, the top right-hand chart relative to emerging markets, we are at an all-time low. We're at a, a 25, nearly 30% discount rating relative to emerging markets. Emerging markets themselves are cheap relative to developed markets. That's the chart on the bottom left. And of course, the last one to tie it all up is to show relative to developed markets, relative to the US, relative to Europe, relative to Japan, we are again at record low levels of relative valuation. The outlook might look quite tough, but the valuations relatively and absolutely in the context of history are very low. The market broadly also is not interested in emerging markets. There's been this huge performance as we know from US exposure and developed markets. And so the relative exposure by global investors to emerging markets is also at a record level. If this starts to turn, and we've seen some evidence of this over the last month or so, South Africa will be a natural beneficiary. Disappointingly, you'll recall from an earlier chart, only three and a half percent out of the hundred will, you know, if we if we attract our, our index benchmark weight. But if that if this chart starts to turn, we will inevitably be beneficiaries of that natural flow of investment. So this is my last slide and just shows why you should be thinking about equity again. You know, I can see the outlook still looks quite worrying and, and quite uncertain. But we know, and I've shown you those charts, that valuation is extremely attractive. And this is the last point, that relative to a fixed interest product, which my colleague Rashad, I haven't even seen his slides yet, might be about to try and sell you, is this is the yield differential. This is at an all-time record low. So this is the yield differential between putting your money in the bank versus the dividend yield that you get 
out of the all share index. Now, they know that the all share index dividend yield at the moment is about three and a half percent, which is about the same as what you'll get by leaving your money in the bank. So this differential is at is an all time record low. You get the same yield on a gross basis. This is not making any adjustment for tax because you know everybody will have a different tax profile and I'm not sure what the nature of the audience is exactly. So you can all make those mental calculations for yourselves. But this is for the market as a whole. And there are many businesses that we own in Rainmaker that are that are on dividend yields. If I think of a company like British American Tobacco, has a dividend yield at the moment of 8% pre-tax and, and is growing in sterling. Now, the one thing I do know is that that's a substantially higher yield that I'm going to get by leaving my money in the bank, on a, certainly on an after-tax basis. And the other thing I know is it's going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to grow in hard currency. I'm not sure how much longer we'll have to wait before we see interest rates starting to rise again in South Africa or anywhere in the world. I suspect that's still some time off. But putting all that together, I really think that for the first time in a very long time, despite the uncertainty and despite the risks, the odds are, and the price is as good as they have arguably been for a very, very long time. And you definitely do not want to be reducing your exposure to equity at this time. If anything, for those who, who have an appropriate degree of risk tolerance, this is the time you should be increasing it. Thank you so much, Anthony, for that. I do have one question for each of you. The instruction is you have 30 seconds each to answer it because we're very tight of time. I'm going to ask you each of it. Anthony, in terms of equities, South African listed equities, and if one is thinking of increasing one's equities, based on what you were presenting, would you tend to, would your message be to, to the listeners on the webinar to be going more into, let's call it the SA Inc type stocks, or would you favor more going into the whole market overall, which as you showed, has about a 60% exposure to offshore revenue? And then Rashad, just for you, We've seen that the RAND has strengthened over the last six weeks or so. I mean, it hit sort of 15.20 to the dollar, having been at around the 16.50, 17 area for a while. I see you do have about 20% in offshore at the moment. Have you increased your offshore allocation as the RAND's been strengthening? Or if you can just comment a bit on the RAND and your your sort of offshore versus domestic holdings. Guys, please, 30 seconds each. Anthony, to you first. Trevor, my straight answer to that question is you want both. I don't think you want to be too clever in choosing SA Inc. over the, over the RAND hedges. If I look at the portfolio, we've got very healthy exposure to SA Inc., which we think can recover in the form of the banks and some of the retailers but it represents about 40% of the portfolio. And on the other side, I'm still very excited about the prospects for our mining exposure. We're very positive about the outlook for copper, for iron ore is very high, the PGM still look very good. And then of course, in NUSPAS, we're still very positive about the prospects for Tencent. And we are delighted that the discount is finally starting to get an increasing level of attention from the management of that company. So the straight answer is both. You want a balanced portfolio that contains all of those categories. Okay, so on, on for my side, you know, the RAND has made a remarkable recovery. A lot of that has to do with the monetary policy out of the US, and you can see the dollar has come under significant pressure. As the RAND's 
strengthened to, through the 16 level, we have been adding FX exposure. So from a low of about of about two or three percent, we increased that now to eight percent. So we have increased it quite substantially, and that's that that tells you our view in terms of where the rand is versus uh, fair value. We think it is now getting to the overvalued levels, and you're seeing a lot. I think the sentiment is quite stretched. A lot of people are very bullish on emerging markets. You know, a few months ago. You couldn't uh, give away South Africa, Turkey, Brazil, Mexico. All of these were basket cases, and now suddenly they, they're the shining future for the world. So, in in times like these, you've got to take advantage of these changes in sentiment and be increasing your FX exposure at these levels. Thank you very very much. Interesting comments and answers there as well to both of you. Thanks for your participation and presentations. Appreciate it. And just to everybody on the webinar, in, in terms of our portfolios, actually, in our domestic funds, we have been sitting quite materially overweight, fixed income, flex income, post-April when yields spiked, and it's been a great sort of recovery in the bond market. And actually, recently, we have also been um, increasing some of our domestic equity exposure. So I guess we're sitting in both of these camps. Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.